The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, faithful scholars of footballology, to another edition of the Star Seminar. As always, this is the Team Talk class. I, Dr. Rabble Rouser, am joined by my colleague, Emeritus Nobel Prize winner in footballology in 2020, the great Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Uh, you know, I'm not doing all that great, Rabs. I'm actually on the DL in this, in terms of I have uh, laid myself up uh, with an injury. Mm. Um, I uh, I was playing um, pickleball earlier this week, ah. and uh, we have a little pickleball tournament at work, and but first off, I want to say pickleball is super fun. I haven't, I hadn't played it, I think, since maybe junior high. Or, but uh, I guess it's it's all the craze now. But uh, all the kids are doing it. But me and uh, a friend from work, we decided to uh, go out there and give it a go. And, um, you know, we won one match. We lost another. But in the process, I actually aggravated my Achilles. I have a bad Achilles. Um, I can't seem to do anything without a, it hurting afterwards and i'm just kind of like basically limping for the next three days so um this one kind of hurt a little extra i think i like turned and you know made a cut that i shouldn't have and then uh so yesterday was was kind of rough for me but uh i'm recovering but uh you know i'm just trying to stay active i'm trying to do things that you know do things keep stay healthy and just find a little bit of activity is is there anything that you do in your everyday life that gives you um you know, helps keep you active? No, actually, I'm, I'm unfortunately far too sedentary, although lately, uh, so I, I, so just to preface this, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I was, a I was an endurance athlete when I was in my twenties and, um, I used to, you know, do biathlons and, and race bicycles and do stuff like that. So like I, I've been very fit at times, but since I've gotten a, you know, a, a job where I mostly just use my head and, and, you know, work with Excel spreadsheets and stuff become way too sedentary. So I've started morning walks. I live in a neighborhood that's very, very green and it's really beautiful. We live on the, on the border of two different, two different like 
uh, woods, two different parks. And um, so my wife and I, and sometimes just me, but usually both of us have been going on walks every morning. So um, that's really it for now. I, mean, I do have a plan. I do have a, a sort of P90X plan to get back in shape this summer. So that by the time I see you in person at in Oxnard, California for training camp, I should be far, far more fit than I am right now, my friend. If I can't find some some activity to uh, keep that blood flowing, then it's uh, it's not going to be a healthy. What do we got going on for our, our listeners today? Well, you were just talking about blood flowing, and we have a show that's going to get everyone's blood flowing. We're going to talk about contracts and talk about potential scenarios for the Cowboys season and whether they should be all in or they should not. Um, but before we do, before we get to that, I want to, um, speaking of blood flowing, uh, run some sort of statistical anomalies by you. Um, there's a couple, I've been doing some research on the Cowboys history I, I, for a project that uh, I'm going to be sharing in future podcasts. It's really about the Cowboys draft and, and how they draft different players and how those players perform versus a sort of expectation at the position, position to draft. I don't want to get too much into that now because we'll have, we'll have some time to talk about that later. But I, I, in the process of doing that, I came across a couple of really interesting things that I just kind of thought would be fun to share before we get into the meat of our conversation. The first is this. The Cowboys' all-time interception leaders in terms of returns, interception returns for touchdowns. We have, there's two of them. The first is Dennis Thurman, who, of course, was the great um, converted safety to cornerback in the early 80s and the leader of Thurman's Thieves, who has four. He returned four interceptions for touchdowns over the course of his career. There's somebody else in Cowboys history who also has four. Do you know who that is? Whew. Um, the first name that came to mind was Michael Downs. Um, that's that's a great guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know people it's will probably it, like be prime, you know, but I, I, I'm trying. I just, I don't I'm trying to think how many he took to the house, and I'm not seeing a whole lot, uh, so I'm not going to say that. But I, I will say, I mean, we all remember the Larry Brown ones um, in the Super Bowl. Uh, Neither but, of those were touchdowns, though. Oh, what, that's right. None of them, they were today. Right? Both, they both got like inside the 10 and Emmett took both of those in for the score. You know, I, I'm going to actually, I have, a, I have a thought now. Now that I'm processing thinking of all this, I'm going to, is Terrence Newman? Is he? Is, that's a great guess too. No, oh, man. It, it, Terrence had a couple. Terrence had a couple. It, this is why I ask it because it's, it's so odd. The other person who has the Wait, wait, no, no. Whoa, whoa, I, I, whoa, one more guess. Is it Hollywood? It is not. Okay. Yeah, same, I'm, position, I'm, I'm, same position. Same position. Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, so, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so the other thing that's this one's so fascinating about it, the guy who also has four is Dexter Coakley. Ooh. Isn't that funny? So, so you know, you think Dennis Thurman or one of Thurman's thieves would because they, they had like those guys, Michael Downs and, and Everson Walls and Dennis Thurman and even Charlie Waters, who was there as the sort of, you know, the sort of gray beard among the group for the first couple of years they were around. Um, all are on the Cowboys like top five in terms of career interceptions. And then, and then, uh, you know, crazily enough, there's Dexter Coakley who didn't have a lot of career exceptions, but the ones he did, he took to the house. Uh, I imagine what it, what happened was he just got a bunch of interceptions in the flat because he was so quick. And then there was nobody between him and the end zone. So next, next thing that's kind of interesting, the five longest runs in Cowboys history uh, were made by four players. Okay. 
Who do you think those? Who do you think those four players are? Well, let me. I'm writing down. I'm writing down the two easy ones. There. So you know the longest run in Cowboys history, right? Yeah, yeah. Long run by Tony Dorsett against Minnesota on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Okay. So I got. You know, I know Demarco and Emmett are two of them. Okay, great. Um, now I need to think of. Uh, so I have a guess. The first guy that popped in my head. Um, let me just uh, let me think this. So my I'm just. My my mind, I thought Julius Jones, but um, unless I'm right, don't stop me. <laughs> um, Julius Jones, and, and of course Herschel um, mm-hmm. is another one. So so Julius Herschel. Do you remember which Herschel run it was? Uh, it was against New England. That's a good one. That was 80 yards. That, that's not that's not the okay, longest. Okay, let me that, think. That, that, that was actually 75 yards. That was not the longest. Not one of the top five. Um, sometimes I let's see Herschel running and Herschel receiving. I'm trying to think. Uh, I have two of them in my mind, um, but sometimes it, was it against uh, the Colts? It was not. So, so the, the longest Herschel run was in '86 against Philadelphia in, in a loss to the Eagles. Oh yes! Didn't he have like two big runs in that game? He did, but one of them went for 84. He ended up like, he ended up with like 10 for two two seventeen or some. Mm. I mean, some ridiculous average per yeah, carry. That's right. That's right. But um, but yeah, he had a long run against. So as you've noted. Uh, Tony Dorsett has one of them. He also has the third longest one, which is also against the hated Eagles in 1977. You probably remember his, his rookie highlights. There's a long run where he kind of weaves through the Eagles wearing the Cowboys. Um, uh, Cowboy, yeah, I, I, I think I, I think he's probably in, in the white jersey running through the Eagles for, for a long, long run in like the, the shadows of Texas Stadium. The other one you noted is the is the long Demarco Murray run, which was uh, his rookie year against the Rams, right? In 2011, yep. remember yep. Julius Jones got injured. Uh, sorry, no, Felix Jones got injured, and uh, Demarco Murray had to step in for him as a rookie, and we were all nervous about how he would do. And like the third carry, he broke yep. him for 90. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it was Herschel. So that's that's three of the four. The fourth one is a big surprise. It's also against the Eagles. In a terrible loss where they got blown out in 2001 against the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb Eagles, who were really, really good. 80-yard run by Troy Hambrick. Oh, jeez. Evan Smith does not have one of the top five longest runs oh, in Cowboys. Oh, goodness, history. I was wrong. Are you serious with all those I'm, runs Emmett had? I'm he had... dead serious. I'm wow. dead serious. I bet if you did, like, crazy? most 70-yard runs, he would have – he would be, you know, on the list. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I think I think Emmett had a lot of sixty yarders and a couple seventies, but yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I, I can't even I mean, remember that that Hamburg run that you're speaking. No, about. because they got they lost forty to eighteen. They got absolutely wiped, and so and then you know the one the one you know possible highlight for the Cowboys was uh, a, a, a a Troy Hamburg run, probably late, I don't even remember when it was late in the game when the Eagles couldn't have cared less. Anyway, there's there more more to talk about in terms of this in, the, in terms of this project. Like I said, I, I'd like to bring it back up at a later date. But listen, we have a present date to get to, mm-hmm. so let's put on our bibs and tuck into our dinner, shall we? Yeah, are you ready for this, Rabs? I'm ready, dude. I've been waiting all week. All right, let's do this. What I wanted to do today is, I have a game I want to play with you. Um. But before we do that, I actually wanted to to actually look over some contracts and gauge your feeling on where you think the Cowboys stand in terms of do they need to seize the day 
in a win right now, or are they in a position where they're going to be good for years to come? So I wanted to run through, if you don't mind, I'd like to run through some contracts with you and just kind of get a feel for who we think sticking around, who we're likely to lose in the next couple of years or so. Um, so let's just start off going through the contracts. Um, kick things off with Prescott. We know we got him for two more years, uh, but we also, we know he's going to be extended. I don't think there's any um, any part of either of us that believe that this team would decide to go in any other direction. Uh, so while it's only two years, Dex, he's, um, he's going to be here for the long haul. Agree? 100%. 100%. Okay. So in fact, um, I'm going to, go through here and I'm going to knock out those that that um are sticking around for sure. And um, the other one is uh, C.D. Lamb. He's got two years left thanks to the fifth year option the Cowboys just exercised. But I expect him to get extended a well, as well. Um, so he's, he's here with us. Um, but some other guys there's a little bit more uncertainty. Um, starting with Tony Pollard who's playing under the franchise tag. Do you have any any thoughts one or another about like if you think he's going to be around next year? I think there's a chance he's around next year. I think, however, that if they've learned their lesson, what they will do is franchise him again. It's going to be expensive, but it'll be cheaper and there'll be less uh there'll be less or lower possibility of them having to eat a bunch of contract at the end if they just franchise them again. I, I honestly think that that's the way teams should go with running backs all the time. I don't even mind if you draft a guy fairly high. I don't love it, but I, if you're going to do that, that's fine. The thing that kills you with running backs and linebackers is the second contract. If there's a four or five year deal after a four or five year deal, that, that means they're almost certainly not going to play the last two or three years of the contract. So I think the solution for me for, for players at those high impact positions that you want to kick, keep around, franchise them twice um, and then get rid of them. So, so I think, I think he could be around and I would even consider franchising him again, but I'm not signing him to another, another long-term deal. So I'm here. Am I hearing you correctly that you would franchise him again for the sake of letting him go after that season? hundred percent. Okay. It gives, you, it gives you, it gives you a couple more opportunities to replace him. Okay. I got you. So basically we, I guess, what we can say is we don't think Pollard's going to be here past 2024 then. One more year, maybe two, but probably not I, much. I, I, I mean, honestly, like I love Tony Pollard, but I hope not okay. because that means that they've done something foolish. Okay. All right. No, I'm, that makes sense. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not quite sure, you know, how I feel yet, uh, but I do think, you know, anything in north of 10 million, that's a lot of, that's a lot of scratch at it the is. running back position. So, um, Okay, moving on, uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, we the Cowboys made a trade to get him. Uh, we got two years of player control with him, but um, then nothing beyond that. Uh, that's a little bit kind of up in the air because, I don't know, personally, I don't see the Cowboys throwing a lot of money uh, at receiving position, considering they already have, they're going to have to re-up and, and lamb, and then they're also invested in Michael Gallup. Um, do you have any thoughts on Brandon Cooks' future? Two-year rental, then they say goodbye. Okay. That seems reasonable. Okay, and then this is where it gets tricky. Then moving along to the offensive line, there's actually four guys 
on the mm-hmm. line that are either they'll be um, un- unrestricted free agents next offseason or in Zach Martin's case, the year after that. So first off, the guys that are un- here for one more year, or at least their contracts, uh, we got uh, Tyron Smith, Terrence Still, and Tyler Biadish. Uh, you, you see he, those guys, any of those guys coming back? Um, or who's likely to be gone for sure? What's your thoughts on those three? That's a tough one because it's really hard. Like you saw with safety this year, right? It's really hard to lose all three guys. I mean, so so um, obviously not all three guys were um, had expiring contracts, but but if they let if they let Dono go this year, then they, then next year it's Curse and Hooker, and all of a sudden in, in two years you'd lose your whole safety room. Yeah. It's really hard to lose that many guys at once. I think, um, and if you're going to replace them, you can't replace them all with rookies right? With draft picks. So you're going to have to replace them with veterans. If you're going to replace them with veterans, you might as well sign your own veterans, especially if it's the younger guys. So I think they're going to try to re-sign both Terrence Steele, who is, you know, he just gets better every year. I know mm-hmm. he had an injury at the end of the year, but he gets better every year. He, he's he's ideal in terms of his work ethic, his approach. He's got a lot of base athleticism. He's, he's improving. I think you continue to go with him. I think if you can get a reasonable offer that's not, that's not crazy for t- Tyler Biotis, you bring him back because I mean, listen, he made the Pro Bowl. I don't think anybody thinks of him as a Travis Frederick Pro Bowl caliber kind of guy, but he made the Pro Bowl. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's not he's not terrible. He's he's, a, he's certainly above replacement. He's a solid center. And um, I think that it may be the end of the end of the road for Tyron Smith. If they bring him back, I think it's going to be because he plays a full year and they're going to bring him back for like a, on another like one year deal. That's a reasonable deal for the, the team. I I, I think if, if he has another one of those years where he only plays, you know, he, he only plays half the season or, you know, misses a bunch of games, I think they'll just, they'll just close the books on Tyron and wish him a happy gold jacket retirement. Yeah, totally agree on all three counts. Um, I do think still I'd be very shocked if he wasn't brought back. Biotis is a little bit of a question mark to me. I agree. Like, I agree. He's the one that's that's the least certain of the three for me. Just only because, I mean, if he puts together another Pro Bowl season, he's not going to come cheap. And so yep, that's, that's true. that will be kind of tricky because, you know, how much are you going to invest there? Because you do, you know, you have something in uh, Tyler Smith that you know that they're, con- they're going to re-up on him if things continue. Uh, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, that, that one's tricky. But absolutely, Tyron, I feel like even, honestly, Raps, if he, like, was had a really healthy season and played 80-plus percent and actually earned a lot, a lot of his incentives that he's um, – in, that's built into his contract. Mm-hmm. I would still feel uneasy about next year because I feel like he used up all his good health, you know? And it's like, so I, I just feel like you're, you're right. You are looking at one year and then that's probably going to be it. Yeah. But um, one guy who hasn't shown those health issues, who's getting close is uh, Mr. Zach Martin, another gold jacket guy. Uh, he's got two years left on his deal and I'm not quite sure what will happen then. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe, you know, similar to what you kind of said with Tyron, maybe a little short-term, maybe two to three-year type of deal um, with Zach Martin. But I, I feel like he's just too good to to, to just call it quits this soon. Um, what Any thoughts on Zach? That's a tough one. I I, I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on Zach. Uh, does he does he sell the fire to play? Does he want to play for another long term deal? But I could see them signing him up for another like a four year deal or extending him, extending him in twenty twenty four. So that's the first year of the new deal. Um, the thing about there's two two things. One, he's been very very healthy throughout his career. 
he seems to just be one of those guys who just built different. He can handle his hand. His body has always been just kind of, I mean, it, it's rare, you know, both in terms of its, its strength, but also in this sort of weird Gumby quality he's got, like he's, he's got really crazy, like sort of stretchiness and athleticism and that, that really helps him and, you know, in pileups and things like that, where a lot of offensive linemen get injured. Um, and the other thing is that, like, you know, offensive guard is the kind of thing where, you you know, you can get by with guile and not athleticism. So he's probably still going to be a, a competitive player. He's, you know, in terms of, you know, he's going to be a, a, a good, a good elite level player for, for some time. And the positions where guys tend to have longest careers tend to be those offensive line positions, especially interior offensive line. So I can see them looking at the stats. And, and and also looking at Zach Martin's career and justifying like a, a, a an extension that gives him four years it starts in twenty twenty four, and and I, I honestly I unless the numbers were crazy ridiculous I wouldn't I wouldn't object strenuously right yeah no I agree and I, I think you're absolutely right it depends on Zach um, he I mean he's made bank his career so it's certainly not something where you know, if his body's telling him otherwise, he needs to stick around for any reason. But uh, but he's still a good player. And so I guess I, it's one of those wait and see type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but shifting over to the defensive side, um, I want to start with at the defensive line we have. And I'm really going to just focus on, on key players because there's a lot of players in the mix here. But So I'm going to just talk about uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. Obviously, Micah has got... Two years, he's only halfway through his rookie deal, deal, and plus, you know, we got the fifth year, so he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Plus, we we can all agree that uh, he's going to get locked up um, with a huge deal when uh, his second contract comes up. But Demarcus Lawrence, two years left, thanks to that um, pay cut slash extension that he got mm-hmm, last year, mm-hmm. which I think was just brilliant contract, and I think is it, it you know works well for both sides. But we're looking at two more years with Tank. Um, you think he might be done after that? Hard to imagine that he wouldn't be. I, I, I could see them doing something where, again, they give him a sort of short-term extension for another year or two, something like that, something that's going to be somewhat team-friendly without a tremendous amount of guaranteed money so that they can kind of both walk away from it respect, res, with respect, you know, with self-respect at the end of it. Um, you know, I'm going to miss him, but... Boy, you know, he's an undersized defensive end who's really good against the run. He's a very physical player. I mean, I just wonder how much longer his body can hold up. That'll be 10 years yeah. for him. You know, I mean, God bless him. I I mean, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I think, you know, they, they've they also got a lot of depth on the offensive line and they're continuing to, to add guys almost every year, it seems like. And I feel like, unless those guys all just pooter out, they're probably going to be able to look at this and go, you know what, given where DeMarcus Lawrence is now, we can probably get similar production from a lower payroll and Mm -hmm. and probably move on. Yeah. And especially if they look at, listen, here's the other thing. If they start looking at spending at at the position, which they do, they look at spending per position. I mean, Michael Parsons is going to be the the best played defensive player in the league, right? When he gets it, when he signs his contract and, it's going to be hard to justify another big expense opposite him. I and mean, one of the reasons why you can afford DeMarcus Lawrence now is because Micah Parsons is vastly underpaid. Mm-hmm. That's going to change soon. Right. He's, he's going to, he's going to, I mean, his first contract, he's probably going to make 50 million a year or something by the time, you know, the, where the salary cap is when he, when he, when he negotiates that in 2027, it's going to be ludicrous money. 
You're absolutely and, right uh, too, because I think what, so, Edge is yeah. like the second highest. Isn't that the, are they the behind quarterback? Yeah, behind quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, that, you're absolutely right. That's so it, 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 and uh, you know, it's such a hard position to find. And, and you know, unless he starts having health issues or something because he's a little undersized, I mean, there's just nobody who's like him. He's more dynamic than almost any other edge. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's other guys who are bigger, but they're not as explosive. My God, he's so explosive once he once he disengages from tackles. You know, I mean. Chase Young can't run a guy down sideline and sideline like he can. It's just he's he's in a class all by himself. Yeah, for sure. Now that you got me thinking, I, I, I bet you the Cowboys. You know, this is still a little ways away, but I, they could end up. They're planning for it. Right? I guarantee you, they're planning for it right now. They're looking at, at where the cap's going, where where defensive salaries are going, where, where where the salaries going for the top three defensive players in the league. You know. And um, and they're and they're doing their actuarial work with that in mind. And yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if he's making about fifty million a year. And they could be the first team to have two players making fifty plus per. Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. be that would be uh, insane. It, it, would, it would not it would not surprise. Me. Yeah, um, yeah, totally agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, everything you said about uh, Demarcus Lawrence, I agree with. I absolutely love that guy too. Um, you know, as long as he wants to, I'm like, he's, he always would be welcomed back in open arms. To me too, but you also mentioned too. You know, I mean, we got players like Sam Williams. I'm excited about mm-hmm. what Sam Williams can bring in year two, and uh, mm-hmm. and the Cowboys are also they're very good about finding these good veteran, you know, low cost veterans that like Dante Fowler. Just in every year, they're they're finding someone that will come in that want to play for Dan Quinn, and so yeah, I mean, they could find maybe more affordable routes to put alongside Micah Parsons. Um, but speaking of affordable. We got Leighton Vanderesh for two more years. Um, I would say I always say that's it. You know, where this uh, every time for basically the last three contracts, I've been saying I think that's it for Leighton. Once it's done, he's done. And then sure enough, he comes back. Last year, I think he came back for, for a one-year deal. I figured, well, that was a great value deal, but but that's all. And here he is again. And mm-hmm. I almost, you know, I'm preparing myself to where like it could be. The same kind of thing again. Once 2025 gets around, where the Cowboys can just, you know, maybe give them another one like that. So I don't really have any sort of um, prediction with Leighton. I'm thinking he's here for two years and maybe more. You have thoughts on LVE? I think he's here for two years, and then they and then they, um, you know, shake his hand warmly and wish him uh, the, all the best. I, I think that. Um, I mean, I, I guess part of this depends on. Dan Quinn and whether Dan Quinn stays with the organization, his, his prototype at linebacker is the sort of Bobby Wagner, 236 pound, six foot one, six foot two type of linebacker. Who's a sideline to sideline run and hit type of guy, you know, Dion Jones in Atlanta. I mean, he, he's got, he's got a, a profile. Um, Jabril Cox and, uh, and Damone Clark are more that kind of linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is, so is the Marvin Overshawn, right? Uh, so it feels like, Vanderbilt is athletic enough, even though he's not the right physical type to succeed in Dan Quinn's scheme, but I feel like he's not Dan Quinn's linebacker necessarily. And part of me wonders, I was just thinking the other day about this, if part of me wonders if if they see Clark as the heir apparent to that middle linebacker spot, because he's a little bit bigger, and someone like Overshown as the heir apparent to the other linebacker spot. Uh, I'm, I'm still not quite sure what where Overshown fits in any of this, if he's if he's more of like a, and I know we're going to get to this in just a, mo- a moment, the, uh, more of a J. Ron Curse replacement, more of a eventual like 
he's going to replace Van Der Esch, but, but Clark's going to replace Van Der Esch and he'll replace Clark. I'm still trying to figure out what, what his, his deal is, but that kind of like slightly undersized guy who can cover, um, who can, who can run sideline to sideline, who's very explosive. It's a different profile. And so I think Van Der Esch is, is honestly, in some ways he's like Cooks or Gilmore. He's a placeholding veteran who's a, who's a couple year rental until they can give them a couple years to draft a guy to, re, to replace him. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mostly agree with that. I think the only thing that concerns me or makes me a uh, little pause is that the guys you mentioned, you know, when you mentioned Damone Clark, uh, Jabril Cox, and De- DeMarvion Overshone, only one of those guys so far, of course, Overshone hasn't stepped on the field yet, has given me any mm-hmm. reason to feel like we have a viable replacement because we're a little bit let down with Jabril and Overshone is a who knows we don't have we don't have any idea so if the cowboys can't find if they end up um not being able to develop these guys and and turn them into eventual replacements then they're you know then they're still kind of stuck and i feel like maybe vanderesh makes them i feel like i don't think they even wanted to get this far with Leighton. i feel like they they thought they would already be in their next phase of linebackers but they weren't and they realized it so they have to, you know, they have to bring him on, like you even said, with Brent, like almost like a bridge player. I mean, that makes mm-hmm. perfect sense too, because they haven't found the other side of the bridge yet, and uh, so maybe that changes. You, you know, what's funny about that is that in so doing, they actually ended up getting value from the draft pick because you know your first round draft picks. At least for me, my first round draft picks, I want them to be able to play a second contract. If I'm building a team, I don't want to have to recycle every five years my first rounders, right? And so the way you build a team is your first round draft picks play eight to 10 years. And so, you know, you can build and build and build. And it didn't look like he was going to. And suddenly through these last three contracts or the last three years, two contracts that you talked about, they've suddenly got a seven year player, which is kind of, kind of amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that I, you know, it's like I said, high impact position. I don't know. These are their prototype. I think, I think they'd like to replace him by the time he's done in 2024. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but we'll have to see how those other guys, hundred percent. Yes. Um, so moving on to the final position, uh, actually it's a couple positions. I, I've grouped them together. Um, the, the Cowboys secondary and I didn't, uh, I wanted to, uh, there's three of them. I think that are the key, key players. Um, and that's, uh, Stefan Gilmore, who we know he's on the Cowboys made a trade for him. He's on one year deal for just under 10 million. Uh, they got, they re-signed J Ron curse to a two year deal last off season. So he'll be in the last year of that deal. And of course, Trayvon Diggs. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. 
I think a lot of people figure that there will we'll see a contract, uh, a second contract there. I'd be very shocked if that was not the case. Um, in fact, I'd be shocked if they didn't have something in place prior to the start of the season. Otherwise, you're looking at basically having to slap the franchise tag on him next mm-hmm. year. I, I left off Malik Hooker, too. I mean, you can just go down the list of a, of a player like Jordan Lewis also, too. But, I mean, those are the three key ones I feel that are that are super important to this team. But what are your thoughts, Cowboy? All, all these guys, one year and, and they're they're only under player control for one year. I think you're right when you say that Trevon Diggs is going to get re-upped. I mean, I put I would put him just under Parsons. I'd put him with Lamb or just under Lamb. I'd put him with, you know, I, I think I'd put him above Steele. And, you know, so I think he's that sort of next tier uh, right right after, you know, Prescott and, and Parsons probably um, in terms of importance to the team. He's a, he's, a, he's a deluxe player and has shown to be both a Pro Bowl player in terms of his, his coverage ability and a, a generational player in terms of his ability to turn the ball over at one of the money five positions. You don't let those kind of guys go, even if it's going to be exorbitant, you know. And then right now the cornerback market is such that uh, our, our good friend Bob Sturm has been writing about this, and he he pointed out that the cornerback market is such that we're looking about twenty million a year. It's not it's not crazy like the quarter the quarterback or the uh or the edge rusher market so i think you can bring him in for you know you can get him for five for a hundred million or something like that which i think they'll probably try to do maybe four for 80 something um i think that i mean if they if they resign gilmore it's probably just for another year i just at this age i think that'd be foolhardy to, to sign him to anything long term and i really believe that um Curse's two-year contract was like like we were saying with some of these other players a, a bridge contract to get to get the team to to develop one of the younger guys like Mukwamu or somebody else. Uh, and we even talked earlier about is it overshown? Who's the guy who's going to replace him? I just don't know how much you can continue to um, pay a guy like that who is great, but he's great in large part because. The team did a magnificent job of finding a role for him that plays to his strengths and hides his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so you can only pay so much for that kind of player because in some ways he's being paid to his talent ceiling right now. He's an older player. He's a tall, lean player. I think he's, you know, he's prone, he's prone to some wear and tear because of that. He's not a stocky, thick player. Uh, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, I, I, you know, he's, he's been a revelation and nothing short of that, but I think it's, I think it's time to move on. So I would say, I would be really surprised if, when we're having this conversation a year from now that if either Gilmore or Curse were on, on the team, and I would be really surprised if we weren't looking at um, Trevon Diggs' top two or three paid corner in the league, if not top paid corner in the league, 20 to $22 million a year. Yeah. Now, totally. For, for four or five-year deal. Totally agree. I mean, you look at that, and when you add, like, you know, Jordan Lewis and Malik Hooker in the mix, too, that's like five guys with one more year. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of scary, but – then when you throw in, like they just re-signed Donovan Wilson last year. He's here for a while. Uh, De'Ron Bland is in the second year of his rookie deal, so he's here for a while. And then Diggs going to get re-up. So, I mean, you still have good players, good players in the mix. And, you know, you mentioned McQuamo. You know, he's got, I think we have a couple more years with him. And also, we have a couple more years with Kevin Joseph, who we saw in OTAs this week, you know, playing playing in the nickel. You know, when you think about the secondary, the guy who might be the most rare player, i.e. I. the one who's hardest to replace, is Hooker. And so I wouldn't surprise me of that group of guys that you named that uh, have expiring contracts if the one that they try to focus on and get a couple more years out of, maybe like, like, like we've talked about with some of these other players, get a two-year bridge deal, um, you know, $7 million a year or something for a couple of years as Hooker. 
Yeah, I you, think I think that they've got a lot of strong safety types, but he's really the only guy who can play free safety. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you because you they they have all they seem like they have someone else for everything else. They have so many slot corners. You know, they they have uh, lots of you know strong safeties. Whether it's like if you Donna or even Overshone, if he if he ends up working in there, but who's your free safety? So absolutely exactly. agree there. So Malik's unique in that manner. So uh, yeah. So anyway, just to kind of put a bow on this, Rab. So I, when we went through all these players, I count. So there's seven guys that we listed that only uh, only under um, contract for one more year. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Um, Tony Pollard, Tyron Smith, Terrence Still, Tyler Biotish. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, J. Ron Kirsten, Trayvon Diggs. Now, I, we we mentioned that some of these guys we expect to come back, but certainly not all of them will be. So my question for you is, as some of these players will trickle out, and um, do you feel like there is a time window for the Cowboys to win right now? I have two thoughts about that. That's a, that's a, that's always a fascinating question because I think it has to do with the way you construct a roster, right? So do you construct your roster always thinking that, that you have a short window? Because, it, you know, on one hand in the NFL, you always have a short, you always have a tight window, regardless of your roster, or your expiring contracts, you always want to go all in. But then oftentimes the cost of going all in basically means you're gambling part or, and again, how much of a part is always is always uh, open to debate, but you're gambling part of your future for present luck. And so, you know, a lot of Cowboy fans looked at what the L.A. Rams did a couple of years ago and said, that's the way to do it. Like they gambled their future but, and, and they went all in. They literally they, they went all in. And mm-hmm. um, the other way to do it is just to is to draft well, try to get as deep a roster as you can, understand that when you get into the playoffs, that it has a lot to do with health and a lot to do with luck. And you try to have the deepest roster you can, so you have a, a shot at the tournament every year. And then you and you cross your fingers and hope your team is healthy enough and lucky enough to succeed in the tournament. And I can see both sides. I can see both sides. I think personally, I prefer the latter, where you 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 get as many talented guys as you can, you supplement them with free agents like they did with Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore this year, and then you try to stay healthy and you roll the dice because the other one. You have to basically, in some ways, it shortens your window, right? You have to win then. Now, the exception to this is if you have a, a, a like a, a, a Hall of Fame or like perennial Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who's aging, who's just, you know very clearly like at the end of his career in his 30s. Um, you know, like if you think about someone like Peyton Manning in his Denver years, like we, you know he only had a, he only had a couple of years left. That's not the Cowboys' situation. They have a quarterback who's who's just sitting in the fat prime of his career, he probably still has, if he wants to play, if he stays healthy enough, I could see him playing for five to eight more years. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that you have a window that's closing. I will also say that you have, you know, you have a, you have a a quality quarterback. So you always want to make sure you're giving that person every opportunity. But the thing about that is, do you want to give every, do you want to give Jack Prescott every opportunity to win in 22? If it means you're lessening the opportunities he has to win in 2024. And my answer to that would be no. My answer would be you want to give him as many opportunities every year without sacrificing the possibility in future years, because he's likely to be just as good in 24 as he is in 22. Mm-hmm. Right. So I feel like you draft well, you re-sign your blue chippers, you supplement, which is one of the things they're doing this year that they haven't done necessarily as well in the past. You supplement your blue chippers with smart 
low cost free agent signings and, and by low cost, neither of them is necessarily cheap contract wise, but they're both obviously cheap in terms of assets that were required to obtain them. And you do that again and again. So you get rid of Stephon Gilmore, you make another trade next year, you make two more trades next year. You know, you, you try to, you try to draft well again, you develop your guys. And I think that, I think you just keep doing that. And, and, and then you take your chances in the tournament. The Rams happen to get to a couple of tournaments that they did well, but they're not going to be in the tournament again for a while. Yeah. Cowboys have an opportunity to be in four or five, six tournaments in a row. You know, one of those you'd think they'd break through. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be unlucky. But, you know, right. I think we've talked so many times about, listen, it's about health and luck as much as it's about talent or some sort of mysterious it factor. Uh, I think they're talented enough to do well. They just have to, they, they have to get good breaks. They have to face good opponents. They have to be healthy, et cetera. Yeah. And so I think you, I personally, my philosophy, if I ran a team would be try to get in the tournament every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. I do feel like if you look at things, I, f- I feel like this is a great opportunity for them. I think that they're stacked. I feel, 100%. I feel really good about where they are right now. Um, Things might get a little bit um, more challenging as we move into, you know, a couple of years from now. Uh, possibly, certainly we know the contracts are going to be really large for some players and the Cowboys have to work around this. But I will say this, too, is some of the players we're talking about who are going to get contracts are players that weren't even on the roster, you know, just a few years ago, too. So that just speaks to the, the how well Will McClay and company have done in replenishing this. And I know it seems like, you know, maybe your luck will run out, but this team drafts really well. So it may not be really as, well. May not be as great as landing Micah Parsons or CD Lambs all the time, but you're certainly going to. Uh, I feel like they're going to have success, and that that means to me, I think they're going to be in good shape now, and I think they're going to be in good shape later. I like the way the team is set up. So hey, I, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have the same conversation if we're still podcasting in three years. We're gonna have the same conversation then about Mozzie Smith. Yep. Yep. I, you know? I, I and, agree. And whoever they drafted since then, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to be this because because. That's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, no, that makes me feel good. But I um, I want to s- switch gears here. Now, now I, actually, just I want to play a game with you. And okay. And I want to play a game. It's, it's kind of like uh, Brewster's Million. Um, have you seen that? You've seen that, Richard Pryor? <laughs> I movie? love it. Of course, <laughs> yes. He, and so you know what he's got to do there, you know. For yeah, those who spend have it. Spend it all, baby. Spend it all, yeah. Basically, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the logistics of it, but he had to spend, I don't know, so much money within a window and if he does, if he's successful, he gets like hundred million or something. I forget. Yeah, I think it's been like a million or ten million in like twenty-four hours or something. Yeah, it was he like was, a, was he a pitcher and John Candy was his captain? <laughs> he was, yes, yes, they, <laughs> he did. He was a baseball player. He, yeah, it was it was pretty funny all the little antics that uh, he did to try to, to. My favorite was the iceberg that melted. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I want you to actually. So you, I want you to spend money. I don't want you to be so wasteful. But here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you a, a million dollars of funny money to spread out however you want. I'm going to give you three scenarios and you're going to split that up and okay. you know, you're going to put the money where you want it to go. But here's the thing is, is like, you know, you get, you want to be smart about it because you don't want to be rolling the dice on just one scenario. You want to just like, I want to give you a, a real honest assessment of these three scenarios about what is likely to happen to the Cowboys this year. So I'm going to give you three scenarios and I want you to think about it and tell me your percentage wise, where you're going to throw your money on each of them. And and then I want you to explain to me um, what, what needs to happen for that scenario to come true. 
and the potential consequences of those scenarios. So that's the likeliness of it occurring, which is you're going to show me in, in the form of your dollar amount and mm -hmm. um, what needs to happen and then the potential con consequences. Are you ready? And I've got how much? A hundred million? No, you have one. You have one million. Oh, one million. Yeah. So, so I tried to squeeze a little bit. Extra <laughs> yeah. What do you think I am? Um, so, yeah, so you have one million. So, okay. I mean, if you, you know, you can guarantee you know, 333,000 just if you, if you played it safe, but, uh, so you could spread it out however you want. Um, okay. Sounds but, good. But here we go. So here's, I'm going to list the three scenarios first and I'll let you choose what you want to go. What do you want to talk about first and how much money you're going to spend? So here, here are the three scenarios. So scenario a is the Cowboys advanced past the divisional round for the first time in 28 years. That's, so that's scenario one. Okay. So, Scenario two is Cowboy make, Cowboys make the playoffs, but same old, same old. They lose wild card, they lose division, whatever. Last scenario, Cowboys, they don't even make the playoffs. Those are your three scenarios, Raps. Spend your money wisely. Tell me what you're doing with that. I'll give you a second to, to figure it out. And then uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. So I, I'm basically... Um... In some ways, I'm going to Vegas and gambling. I'm putting my money down on each of these three possibilities yes, for the end of the year. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to bet a hundred thousand dollars that they'll miss the playoffs because mm -hmm. it's always a possibility if something catastrophic happens, like Dak goes down or Micah goes down or mm -hmm. something like that. Knock on wood. Right. That's, I mean, we, we've seen it happen before where they, a promising cowboy season just kind of totally goes off the rails because there's a catastrophic injury. I am going to bet. Six hundred thousand. That they make the playoffs, but it's the same old, same old. And I'm going to bet three hundred thousand that they advance past the divisional round. Very wise, very wise investor you are. Uh, so and um, and I and I and I think that I'm doing that because again, I feel like this is a playoff team. I feel like this is a this is a playoff team, but also they didn't do a lot to address the things that you and I have talked about. Or at least I, I haven't seen it yet, right? They may have actually been doing a lot behind the scenes to address the things that we've talked about that caused them to, um, I think, suffer their second disgraceful playoff exit to the on the hands of the 49ers, which was that, you know, they had some real trouble um, in terms of offensive weapons and receivers getting open, and also their offensive line just got whipped. Both those losses to the 49ers, their offensive line got whipped. They're not physical enough. They're, they seem run down by the end of the year, et cetera. Um, and as long as the 49ers and Eagles are, are in the NFC, I mean, I don't think there's anybody else, but if the 49ers and Eagles are both in the NFC, then I think then, then there's a couple teams that, that could conceivably deal them a first round playoff exit. Hmm. I will say this is also the best year in a long time for them to achieve result A. Right. Yeah. Because this, this, the NFC is not deep. Like, it's weird in that the best team in the NFC besides the Cowboys probably is in their division. I don't know what's going to happen to San Francisco. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't know that they have a quarterback. I don't know how much longer the Brock Purdy, you know, magic can continue. I don't know if he's a – is he is he legit or not? I don't know. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know if, and I, I think the thing, the thing about Dallas that's going to get them far is the degree to which their passing offense works. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. Like, passing offense is, is the key to winning. Um, you can't rely on defense every year. Running doesn't really move the needle in terms of EPA or any of those other metrics. The thing that, the thing that, that you know, that leads to winning, correlates to winning most is obviously turnover differential, but also um, offensive explosion, explosive plays in the passing game. And so um, I have no idea if they're going to have an explosive passing game. I have no idea. So I think they're good enough to, to, to make – to be in the playoffs unless again something really bizarre happens but are they is are they going to be able to be explosive enough in the in the passing game even against a really good pass rush to have playoff success i don't know so i'm i'm betting two i'm betting two to one against that because i i haven't seen it yet right no i i think that's i think it's kind of i think you're you're playing it safe i uh, yeah. i i agree yeah. with how you did i actually thought if there's anything that i um I'm a little bit scared about it. it's it's that maybe you only spent 10% on the on the missing the playoffs because I mean making the playoffs is hard the Cowboys they've only made the playoffs I think what maybe since if you look back at 2014 maybe they've made it just half, about half as much you know so and I know that and I want to spend just a little bit of time not, not a lot but you know you, you mentioned injury you know but I want to I want you to to tell me if the Cow- say the Cowboys do not make the playoffs, and let's say that Prescott is healthy for most of the year, maybe he misses a couple games or something. I don't know, but let's say he's healthy, but they still miss it. Why? Why did that happen, Ravs? What What do you think happens in that scenario that that the Cowboys actually just because they've done it before? They've had Dak and they've, you know, they've finished eight and eight. You know, or they've, they've yeah nine seven maybe don't get. It. I don't know. So I mean, like, uh, can you can you Tell me something that possibly. Yeah, I, I think I think what ends up happening is the system breaks down in a complementary perspective. So the Cowboys have been really well built, especially in the McCarthy era, to play complementary football. And I think that um, a couple of things happen then. One is, uh, and we've talked about this a lot, defensive performance correlates more than anything else to the quality of the opposing quarterbacks that you face. And they have a much, much more difficult slate of opposing quarterbacks this year. So I don't think we can rely on the defense to be as dominant. They might be better. They might be a better defense. They might actually play better, but they might not be as as effective in, from a points or statistical perspective because they're just playing better teams. It's going to be harder for them to, ha- to have the same kind of success. And the other thing is this defense has led the league un- in an unprecedented um, set of circumstances that led the league in, in takeaways two years in a row. Never happens. Usually two turnovers are wildly differential mm-hmm. from year to year. And so this year, the last couple of years are not. So does that mean that they are either this this amazing historic defense that takes away the ball or they just really had two amazing years and that they're definitely due for a regression? I think given his history, you have to say they're due for a regression. So I think it's possible the defense plays better that it's possible the defense is, is actually tougher and harder to play, but still gives up way more points and yards and in, in part because they're giving up or rather generating uh, far fewer takeaways. Because of course the takeaway is a stop. But also the thing that happens with takeaways is that your offense doesn't get as many cheap scores in short fields. And so the, the other part of that complimentary piece that I think could happen is that the passing game isn't as good. The offensive line is more like the offensive line we saw in the last month last year where they couldn't run the ball. They, they had a hard time protecting Dak Prescott. He wasn't 
he they weren't protecting him long enough often enough for those longer developing plays to happen so so the cowboys were much easier to defend and they were you know teams were playing them um, much closer which meant there was more there were more guys up close to the line of scrimmage more guys in the box and it just made the whole equation uh, incredibly difficult for Dak and company if the offense struggles they're going to struggle because the, I don't think the defense is going to get as many turnovers. It would just be unprecedented historically if they did. And I don't think that the uh, defense is going to be as good statistically because they're playing better teams. So that's, that's the thing. Like, so this is why I think playoffs versus advanced past the divisional round is because I, I haven't seen the thing that needs to happen for them to do that. But if that really doesn't happen, like if, if that passing game and that offensive line recovery really doesn't happen, then yes, they could miss the play. They could be healthy and miss the playoffs. It's just that the NFC is so so dang bad. They could, I mean, I, I think they could still probably be 10 and 6 or 9 and 7 and make the playoffs. And I think they'll probably have a good record against NFC teams because it's not a very good conference. Yeah. But they they might not win the division. They might you know, they might be a wild card team and end, end up in the same scenario that we were debating from the, the first month, of, like the quarter poll last year. We looked ahead and we said, oh, it looks like they're going to play either Philadelphia or San Francisco in ward order, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough, we knew that maybe they wouldn't play them in the first round, but they had to play them in, in, in rounds two and three. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And they didn't make it past the second round. I want to end things on a positive note here. So, you know, we talked about what will happen if Cowboys don't make the playoffs. I want you to tell me, give me your best guess. Let's just say you win the 300000 with the, the Cowboys do advance. For the first time in 28 years, they advance past the divisional round. Tell me what happened for that to happen. I think the, uh, I mean, this is sort of piggybacking on what I said earlier, which I think that the offense found ways to generate explosive plays in the passing game consistently and to, and the offensive line uh, is able to hold up against the NFL's best defensive lines in their pass rush. So, you know, we talked about that a couple of podcasts ago, the way the Cowboys are behaving this off season. Um, they, yes, they brought in Brandon cooks, but for the most part, they didn't do a lot to change their wide receiver room and they didn't do a lot to change their offensive line room. They clearly are not, thinking that the problems they had in those two position groups were about personnel. It seems pretty clear that they think the problems were coaching. So they replaced, they replaced the position coaches and obviously they have a new offensive coordinator. So it's, it's all, it's all in the coaches because we have the same players. Yeah. Now. Yeah, sure. Michael Gallup might be a better player. Obviously Brandon cooks is an, is an upgrade, but, um, but in terms of the offensive line, they're a year older and there's a couple, there's already a couple of, you know, guys who are a little bit long in the tooth and we don't know about Terrence Steele and his come, you know, return from injury. And we don't know about Tony Pollard and his return from injury. So there's just a lot of questions and it's all on the coaches. So if they go far, it's because Mike McCarthy did something that Helen Moore couldn't do, which was to keep the offense humming in December and beyond the last couple of years, Kellen Moore's offense, whether guys got old and tired or whether the league figured him out or whatever, for whatever reason, it's probably a myriad of reasons, but Kellen Moore's offenses really kind of hit their limit point and began to kind of, you know, tread in the mud in the last six weeks of the season or so. McCarthy's got to have his team getting better and faster and more explosive toward the end of the year. If they, if they can do that, they'll win a couple playoff games. They're a good team. 
Yeah, you know, I I sort of agree with you, but I sort of completely disagree with you. In <laughs> the reasonings, I agree are the the what needs to happen. I agree with it's the it's the who and the why that. So to me, I feel like absolutely they need to be explosive in the passing game. But I feel like if the Cowboys are are advancing and they're, if they get to the Super Bowl or if they have the pinnacle of success, it's going to be because Dak Prescott found his groove and he's playing at an elite level. And that's not to say that he hasn't been or that he's not good or anything like that. It's just that, you know, we talk about these points in the season and you can just go down the list of, of you know, 2019, you know, and 2021 and even last year too, where whether it's something was ailing him or something else with the with the, the interceptions and stuff that that just he just wasn't playing at a high level all the time and I feel like if Mark McCarthy comes in and he makes a couple changes here and he and he finds things that really makes his quarterback comfortable and you know he has better separation from his receivers and the Cowboys are able to just help him get comfortable and to where he's feeling it and gets in a groove and finds the rhythm where he we we know how good he can be I feel like that could be the um, you know, the one thing that puts them over the top because if, if Dak's playing great, I just think it's hard for this team to be to be. I think their defense is too good. I think the surrounding pieces are too good. I just feel like it still falls on the shoulders of number four. Now I I agree. I think number four is going to be the visible manifestation of all the things I'm talking about. But number four can't succeed if the coaches don't create this situation that. Uh, that allows them to succeed over the course of the year and continue to feel comfortable as they go. I think, I think one of the things that's happened is he stops trusting his guys late in the year because he's seeing they're not open. He's seeing that they're, that they're getting, giving up pressure. And so Dak is at his best when he trusts his guys. Yeah. And so I feel like, again, if the coaches can coach their guys, those guys up so Dak can trust him, then both of our solutions happen. I don't think that I don't think that yours happens without without what I'm talking about, and I don't think mine happens without what you're talking about. I think they're they're part A and part B of yeah. the same thing, right? For sure, yeah. For the Cowboys to to have a strong finish, I, I definitely agree that both those things have to be there. But speaking of a strong finish, Rabs, that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, things that you're seeing at OTAs, or you know what, what are you putting your money on as far as the Cowboys 2023 season? Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, spelled R-A-B-D-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to Silver Blue, and we will catch you later. Blast dismissed! <laughs> <laughs>